G'day guys, and welcome back to another cracking Glory Days episode, when a bunch of lads from the bush made it all the way to the mighty Sydney cricket ground to complete one of the greatest ever days in cricket history on the border region. A massive thank you to episode sponsors, Martin's Buses, Japo Donks Tires, Wheels and Batteries, Commercial Club Aubrey, and the mighty Newmarket Hotel. He loves his cricket hour, Robbie, and he's pretty excited about this one. So let it rip, Robbie. Going out to the coin toss for the final, we had the ambassadors there. We had Lenny Pascoe and Doug Walters, two great Australian cricketers. Doug Walters was the ambassador for the other conference, so for the other team. But after the toss, he came up to me and he said, you bush boys will win. No one beats the boys from back in the country. So <laughs> it was good to have Dougie Walters on board, even though he was meant to be supporting the other team. <laughs> G'day all and welcome back to another Glory Days episode. This time we're going back to the 2015 cricket season when a crew of local cricketers from Cricket Orbidonga took it all the way to the city cricket ground for the ultimate success in the inaugural Plan B Regional T20 Cricket New South Wales competition. After three straight wins, their dream look shattered just 14 balls into the final before one of the T20 cricket's most famous fight backs unfolded in a stunning come-from-behind victory on the hallowed turf of the Sydney Cricket Ground. The story is captured through the eyes of skipper Trent Ball and his band of men, including coach Robbie Jackson, in what turned out to be Trent Ball's very last game of rep cricket for his beloved association, due to a brain tumour that he continues to fight off. So this one's for you, Bawley, a tribute to your passion and dedication to rep cricket. Hope you all enjoy Bullet Dodge, the SCG miracle. So what was the Plan B Regional Bash? Bruce Whitehouse, Cricket New South Wales Country Programs Manager, gives a rundown on how it all came together and how successful it was and still is today. We were lucky enough to get sponsorship from Transport for New South Wales. They were looking at promoting your Plan B. History showed us that uh, a lot of accidents happen on country roads and people travelling long distance and they wanted to get the message out there that uh, if you're driving somewhere and you're tired, you've had a few drinks, you're not right to drive, what's your Plan B? We started with 16 teams from around the state. Exciting times, new logos were designed, new colours, new rules. All the clothing was provided by Cricket New South Wales, all the franchises as, as we call them then. The favourite names was obviously the Wagga Wagga Sloggers, which caused uh, a bit of uh, contention in the Riverina. Didn't particularly like that name. CEO at the time loved that name, became his favourite team. He, he used to tell me when he walked past, how the Sloggers go on the weekend. And that's how it started. I worked closely with community cricket. General Manager of Community Cricket at the time, Ivan Spurts, who had a real bent for marketing and advertising and things like that. He came up with the names and uh, he also came up with the um, the logos, which stand up well to this day. And they, they look good, the colours look, look sharp. In fact, in fact, we actually extended some of the names into our current youth championship. Some teams have picked up the nicknames, which is which is great to see. Typically, if you remember, that we used to have the SCG Country Cup. That was funded by sponsorship from the SCG Trust. With a change in the chair at the Trust, that sponsorship is no more. However, we negotiated with the SCG to gain access to, for this day, our day on the on the SCG. And we're lucky enough they, they found a hole in the uh, on the 6th of December. We played our inaugural finals day at the SCG. It was a great day. We, the first time we live streamed, commentary, music, all sorts of things. As news of the proposed competition filtered down into the regional areas, a wave of excitement was felt across regional New South Wales, with the lure and opportunity for country cricketers to play on the hallowed turf of the Sydney Cricket Ground, ensuring an enthusiastic and positive response. 
Former test cricketers Doug Walters and Len Pascoe were appointed ambassadors to the new competition and were both on hand at the SCG for the competition launch and rollout of the 16 franchise teams and playing shirts. This was certainly the case down on the border with charismatic chairman of Cricket Orbidonga and Murray Cricket Council, Michael Erdeljack, rallying his troops into action. Trent Ball, a long-time representative player and flamboyant character, was appointed to captain the local side, named the Border Bullets, and he was excited by the prospect. I remember Michael Erdeljack calling me and getting me to come to his office, and he showed me this pamphlet, which was about 30 pages thick, and it had all these colours, different team names, conferences, uh, and the SCG Cup had been changed to this Plan B Regional Big Bash, and it was a T20 concept. Blown away to start with, and then when I saw we only had to win two games to make it through the SCG, straight away I was excited and thinking how good this would be. A legend of Riverina and border cricket, Robbie Jackson, was appointed the non-playing coach and immediately he put in place some big changes to enhance and embrace the new concept. Yeah, when I uh, signed on to, to coach, I had a meeting with Mick Girdlejack and said, look, you know, these are some of the things that I, I want to do and need to do and for this to be successful, we need to boom, start with a, with a clean slate. We all play against each other. We all have perceptions of each other. Needed to make sure that we all got clear air in front of us for this thing to be successful. For If, if you don't, then uh, it's going to be difficult for us to be successful. So I said to Mick, Right, I'm going to get a squad together and we're all going to meet at the new market and we're all going to sit down in a, in a, in a circle and, and clear the air. So basically, all the players, all the big guns, you know, because a lot of, lot of fellas, not only did I bump heads with blokes on a Saturday afternoon, but other blokes bumped heads with other blokes on the field and all that sort of stuff. So so if they've seen the, if they've seen the coach clearing the air with it was almost forcing them into clearing the air with other players. Not that there was anything, you know, malicious involved in it. It's just say, right, you know, we've bumped heads here a couple of times. We need to clear this for the better of the team. Make sure that, you know, none of these incidences that we had on field, not that they were major, they left in the past for us to go forward. Because if we get this, if we nail this, this is going to be massive. So it was important that I put all my ego aside and the players put their egos aside to say, right, let's all get together and uniform and, and make this thing work. So uh, we all met at the, the new market. I think I shouted beers, which is unusual. I'm as passionate as I can be. I need you blokes on board. Meeting was a starting point of something. Uh, no, I don't, want, I don't want to see any club gear. I need to I need you guys to understand that, that we're a team, we're a separate identity to anything else outside the bullets. And it just, just sort of snowballed from there. And we had a Facebook message page and we had a, you know, we had a Facebook page and all that sort of stuff. And I just changed the, the name of the, the page to the Board of Bullets Cricket Club. You know, they've seen it and they've gone, oh, hang on. And then that's when you sort of realise that the group's getting closer and closer and closer. And our training sessions were good. You know, leading up to the first game, Bond was starting to build quite early. Before we played a game, I had other coaches involved, which was was, was Heath and yourself and Sammy O'Connor, and um, and also you know my young fellow was down there helping with with with, diff- with different things as well. Like he's a he's a master in the bowling machine, so he was Heath was taking care of the bowlers, you were taking care of the fielders. You know, Sock was just he was my right hand man. I was you know putting plans in place and ideas into these boys' heads, and I think the trust that they started getting me in regards to what I was trying to do and how we we're trying to do it as a coaching group grew and knitted us closer together. The new concept also had provision for each franchise to recruit two marquee players who had started their cricket careers in the region of that team. Jackson and Ball dreamed big and landed two big fish to join the Bullets. Former Australian Test All-Rounder Andrew McDonald 
and legend of ACT cricket, Cade Brown, both former local lads. So with McDonald and Brown added to the squad, the local players had plenty of incentive to not only play alongside a former test cricketer, but to play on the hallowed turf of the Sydney cricket ground. After a few solid weeks of training, the Bullets round one opponent was the Southern River and Vipers, who were predominantly from the Murray Valley Cricket Association and, as Trent Ball explained, a dangerous opponent. Game one rolled around pretty quick after that for Southern Riverina Vipers, who we'd had a bad record against the last few years, but um, with the, to- the team that we had assembled, I was pretty confident going in. And I remember saying to the guys, because we had a lot of extroverts, you would say, so in the change room before the game, I remember saying that let's not lose our ego. I want all of us to have our ego and keep it throughout all these games because we might need it because we want to think that we're better than the other teams and we want to play that way. But also if we're in a situation where we're under pressure, I want us to keep that ego. Ironically enough, it actually came into play, but a lot later on in the competition. A big crowd of over 400 rolled into Bilson Park, Aubrey, and after a delayed start to rain, the match commenced with the Vipers being sent into bat by bullet skipper Trent Ball. The visitors made a reasonable start and were well placed at one for 49 in the seventh over before the second wicket triggered a big collapse. They lost star batters Luke Carter, 35, off just 21 balls, and skipper Sean Downey in six balls. They never recovered to be bowled out for just 106 in the final over. Carter did hit a massive six off Cameron White that landed in a nearby front lawn across the road from the ground. All the Bullets bowlers performed well, with teenager Nathan Brown taking three for 21, Matt Gench two for 25. Both off spinners, Zach Simmons and Matt Armstrong, bowled with great economy and took a wicket each. The Bullets encountered little drama in the run chase, winning by seven wickets and three overs to spare. Cade Brown top scored with 35, off just 23 balls, including three sixes. David Farrell was also in good touch, finishing unbeaten on 28 with four boundaries and a six. Nathan Brown was named Plan B Player of the Match for his three wickets. In the other Riverina Zone round match, the Wagga Sloggers set up a round two clash in four weeks' time with the Bullets by defeating the Murrumbidgee Rangers by 51 runs, with the Sloggers posting a massive six for 193. Josh Thompson top scored with 64. The big inclusion for the Border Bullets for the clash against Wagga will be the inclusion of former Australian Test All-Rounder Andrew McDonald. It would be McDonald's first appearance on home turf in 17 years after a brilliant first class and international playing and coaching career. Bullet skipper Trent Ball said him and Cade Brown's presence was incredible. Game two versus Wagga, you know, our arch rivals and there's also a spot at the SCG on the line as well. So it was going to be high tense, high pressure, but then, you know, we get the news that Andrew McDonald's going to play for us. It was exciting. And we also had Cade Brown, who was from Talangata and played all his cricket then in Canberra and made thousands of runs. So to have those two involved gave us a huge air of invincibility around the team and just their approach. They were calm, confident, you know, the rest of us were young and excited. But to have them two was just, you know, it was an awesome feeling to have them involved and knowing that they obviously made an effort and wanted to play with us as well, what really gelled the team leading into that game. McDonald was able to fit the match in prior to the commencement of the BBL season, where he was part of the Sydney Thunder team. 
McDonald played four tests for Australia and 95 first-class matches, as well as a host of T20 and limited over cricket. He also had coach Victoria, Leicestershire, along with coaching stints in the IPL and the BBL. The excitement levels within the Border Bullets camp and the local cricket community were fever pitch, with Bilson Park again set down as a venue for the showdown with Wagga, whose officials were not as impressed with the Bullets' ability to have McDonald cleared to play. It certainly put extra spice into the clash of the old enemies, with the prize for the winner being huge, a trip to the Sydney cricket ground. Country Cricket New South Wales Programs Manager Bruce Whitehouse explains the behind-the-scenes goings-on to get McDonald into the Bullets team. It was an interesting exercise. A man of the moment down there, Mr. Everything and Everywhere, Michael Hurdlejack, made contact or got contact with Andrew, Andrew McDonald, and uh, and said, look, you're an Albury local. Teams are allowed to play a marquee player. And, and Andrew McDonald obviously is an Albury with Donald boy. Somehow Michael contacted him. Andrew said, you know what, I'm going to be in uh, Albury that weekend and I'll be available to play. So Michael came to me and I said, mate, that sounds like a fantastic idea, great promo. Good for the game, get some people around the ground. So I mentioned uh, it, my friends in community cricket. Disappointingly, there was some opposition to the Andrew playing, which I, I uh, didn't quite understand. But um, common sense uh, prevailed. i never forget our CEO again, the CEO at the time, Andrew Jones, said, what? He's playing. And that was the end of that. And so Andrew McDonald took the field the Bullets against the Sloggers at Bilson Park on the 8th of uh, November 2015. Andrew contributed 42 with a bat. A man in question, Andrew McDonald, uh, went for 23 off his four overs and he picked up a wicket. A large crowd attended in perfect spring weather, with wicketkeeper Nat Saruman, the unlucky player, to be left out for McDonald's inclusion. Bullets skipper Trent Ball took over the role as wicketkeeper. Once again, the match had a huge media exposure with the match again broadcast live on local commercial radio station 1494 2AY. The atmosphere at the ground had a real carnival atmosphere, with a local DJ pumping out the music amongst the 1,000 strong crowd. The locals didn't disappoint, with a brutal batting display after Ball won the toss and batted. Ball and fellow opener Alex Popko had 49 runs on the board after just three overs. Popko made 37 off 19 balls, with his first five scoring shots all boundaries, while Ball blasted 31 off 20 balls. The runs continued with Andrew McDonald making 42 off 32 balls with two huge sixes, while Jack Craig stole the show with a blistering unbeaten 36 off 16 balls, which included three massive sixes, as the Bullets finished its 20 overs at five for 192. Jack Craig explains what a great experience it was. Lucky enough to be batting with Andrew McDonald against Wagga. I remember being out in the middle with him and him saying to me, Rodeo, mate, where are your areas? And I told him, I said, over, over mid-wicket and probably straight down the ground. He's like, right, well, when they're in the spot, I want you to smack them over the top. Just coming from someone like him, it just gives me a bit of a boost. Yeah, sort of shows the character of the, of the great man. You know, being such a big figure in Australia and being able to come back and play a game of cricket local league just shows what type of bloke he is. The final with Armo, that was unreal. He, very skillful player, Armo, and the way he batted in that final, unreal. Most people would have lost their head and, and tried to hit the big shot to try and hit the, the 140s, 150s total. He stuck in there, dug deep and, and got his 50, whatever balls, but just did what he had to do, batted through the innings and really helped me. Little partnership towards the middle there, which is what the team needed at the time. It was also pretty special, that team, like the camaraderie that we shared, the want 
for everyone to do well. The roles that everyone played was clear. You know, our, all our bowlers did a sensational job. They just played their role. They knew exactly what they had to do. One of the reasons why we won is we had clear understanding of what we had to do, the fielding efforts of this team. We worked so hard and at the end of the day, that's, that could have been the difference in the field. The extra 21s that we could have saved, it just all clicked together on the day and we, we were an outfit. We were going to be hard to beat. The Sloggers, after a promising start, lost three for two in just nine balls, with Zach Simmons taking two and McDonald the other to be three for 23 in the fifth over. A brilliant display of power hitting from Slogger's Kurt Robinson, where he hit five sixes in his innings of 63, and Aaron Maxwell, 32, of 17 balls, gave the Sloggers some hope before some tight Nathan Brown bowling, two for 18, and Zach Simmons, two for 31, restricted the Sloggers to eight for 164, meaning a 28-run victory for the Bullets, and as Trent Ball explained, a great moment. We bat first versus Wagga, and we make 191 build up the lead up games, everyone involved, it had all gone to plan really. So the next 20 overs in the field, just to close it out, was pretty smooth and then pretty exciting as well. Obviously to book a spot, go to the SCG, was exciting, but also, you know, it was a bit of a sense of achievement and relief. I felt proud as well. I felt proud of everyone involved and I was just so happy for a lot of the guys that they were gonna get to play in Sydney and experience the SCG. And having Andrew McDonald there for the game was, was awesome, like we've said, but I think we all learned a few things throughout the day from him, but I can even still remember after the game, he was still in uniform having a few beers. So even that stood out to me, just enjoy winning and playing in these sort of games, representative cricket when you're with guys from all other teams and you come together and you can achieve something special. To have him there and experience that throughout the whole day was unreal and we can reflect on that a lot that day. It was the day that got us there, like we said, to then experience the SCG and to have Andrew a part of that, an Aubrey boy, even though he'd played test cricket, cricket for Victoria, overseas, there was still a lot of Aubrey in him and he was still an Aubrey boy, you could tell that. So for him to come back and play with us on that day, we're very thankful and appreciative. Yeah, we'll never forget it. Coach Robbie Jackson said the test star was an absolute pleasure to have in the side. He came into the side and basically from the initial phone call, is he's, he said he can't wait to get back to playing Aubrey for you know, possibly the last time. And he basically said, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll fall in the line. I don't want to step on any toes. I just, you know, he was such a gentleman about it, but I quickly told him that, you now basically I said, we're playing for sheep stations and I need your best. Can you do that for me? He goes, mate, I'll, I'll do whatever whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go type thing. And he came down. and But, you know, I, I think just him having him in the side, Sort of maybe the opposition, yeah, you know, yeah. When you come up, you know, they, they, they played the name instead of the instead of the player a little bit. He bowled well, and he was. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure he gave Trent a hell of a lot in the foot in regards to, you know, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. I just think just his presence made Trent's captaincy sort of go to the next level, and and he, he batted, he controlled the batting innings, and he, he bowled really, really well. So basically, what he'd done at state level and international level, he sort of come back and did for. He just played his role beautifully and was was fantastic. Yeah, he loved it. He was still in his playing gear at the pub three or four hours later. You know, he was one of the last, he was one of the last blokes to leave. Yeah, you know, he, he was one of, he was one of us, and I think after having a couple of beers with him after the game, he was 
bit disappointed that he he couldn't be part of the journey for the for the finals at their CG. So yeah, he he played a, a bigger part than he probably thought. Um, just having him in our side and just seeing how he controlled a situation with both bat and ball helped our players, you know, particularly the, the players that played similar roles. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic experience for for him, for us, and the coaching was, uh, was so easy. Like he just said, just just coach me like you're still blessed. Don't coach any different. Yeah, you know, if you feel as though I need to be sharpened up, you sharpen me up. Perfect, mate. It was so so easy. So the Bullets had kicked off the major driver of its campaign, getting to Sydney and playing at the SCG. They would be joined by three other franchise teams, Arana Outlaws from Dubbo Region, who would be the Bullets' opponent in the Thunder Regional Conference Final. In the Sixers Conference Final, it would be Illawarra Flames up against the Tamworth-based Northern Inland Bolters. The two winning teams would then play off under lights for the overall Plan B Regional Bash title. Some of the local cricketers had experienced a trip to the SCG a few years earlier when the Cricket Orbit Onga side, led by James Tonkin, made the final of the SCG Country Cup, a 50-over per side statewide knockout competition that was historically dominated by Newcastle-based club sides. The trend continued on February the 3rd, 2013, when the powerful Merriweather side, led by former New South Wales speedstar Mark Cameron, pounded the Cricket Orbit Onga side by 117 runs. Tonkin top scored with 32 as the boys from the bush were rolled for 86. Bullets coach Robbie Jackson and skipper Trent Ball were the only surviving members of that team who played against Merriweather. So for all other players, it would be their first experience at the sacred ground. There was also another conundrum confronting one of the Bullets key players. Cameron White was getting married on the Friday afternoon, two days before the finals in Sydney. White explains. So 2015 was a big year for me and my family. We, uh, my wife and I got engaged on Boxing Day 2014 and we had the date locked away uh, the 4th of December. So that was the day we actually met five years earlier. So that was always going to be our big wedding day. And then we found out the finals day for the Big Bash and it was um, on the 6th. So it was a bit, a little bit tight there. We, um, I made sure I spent as much of Saturday as I could with the lovely. And the funny thing was that Saturday afternoon that we caught the bus from the new market and had to sit at the Urana Road Oval for about an hour waiting for Borley and Armo to finish their game because they were chasing an outright. <laughs> and then we had to chase Trent around Albury after he left his bag at home. So that was a fun way to start. Um, it was obviously a great experience taking part in the inaugural season of the Big Bash and making it all the way to the final, not losing a game, looking in trouble at four for four and somehow pulling one out. It's definitely the highlight of my cricket career. Our Cricket Orbitonga chairman and Border Bullets general manager, self-appointed, Michael Erdeljack also had an issue on the day of the final, as he explains. Obviously, we'd made the final and I was very excited for everybody. Got through and we're going to catch the bus up. We're going to start, I think we started Goulburn on the on the Saturday night and then we went on the next day. Lo and behold to everyone else, my son goes to Monash University. I have quite a smart son in Ethan, as most people know. He's probably a bit more arrogant and smarter than I am, which is pretty scary. I'd been told that he'd won a history award for Monash University and the presentation was on that uh, Sunday evening in Melbourne. My wife and my younger son Noah had driven down to Melbourne to go to the presentation, so they told me. And what I was going to do is I caught the bus to Sydney, stayed up with everyone, watched the first game. Now, we'd made the decision if we if we lost, I think we might have been coming home that night. If we won, they were going to stay. And what I was going to do is I, I was going to fly to Melbourne on about the three o'clock flight, get into Melbourne about half past four, catch a cab into the 
the city and then catch up with Anthea, Ethan and Noah and go and have the presentation within the city. Bit of a pain in the ass. you're pretty cranky. You know, you've worked your ass off to get all these guys up and we've done a lot of things together to get there. You can't be there if you make the final. We flew to Melbourne, got a taxi into the city to where we're staying. I think we're staying in Dockland somewhere. And I walk in and here's my wife, Ethan and Noah in ACDC shirt. They said, oh, there's no presentation. There's actually an ACDC concert. And they said, oh, we've got front row seat, which is an amazing thing for them to organise because I've so we go, they get the shirts, we put the shirts on, we go to the concert, and obviously I'm trying to get the scores. And, and I think we were, might have been three for four was this, one of the scores I'd got. You know, so I didn't worry about it. And then I find out about four hours later that we won. I'll give credit where credit's due. They actually had a medal for me, which was pretty emotional. And I've still got that medal at home. And then you find out later, my lovely wife, Anthony, and everyone knows who she is. She's she Once we'd made the final, she'd actually knew that the ACDC concert was on. She actually rang Bruce not once, twice, changed from that Sunday to the following Sunday so we could go to the ACDC concert. The players travelled by bus from Albury to Goulburn where they stayed the night after having played club cricket earlier in the day with all players instructed to be ready for a pickup at the Newmarket Hotel. The punctual planned departure did not go to plan as explained earlier by Cam White. Once again, the 1494 2AY commentary team of Simon Corr, Robbie McKinlay and Heath Norton were on deck at the SCG to call all the action for the listeners back home and for the Cricket New South Wales live stream and were in their typical mischievous cells discussing all sorts of topics during the day. Boys, you stayed over in Goulburn last night and uh, what were your impressions of the town? Simon, you haven't spent a lot of time there. <laughs> no, and I don't think I will spend a lot of time there in the future, Robbie. It was uh, quiet. a very, quiet, very place. quiet place. There wasn't place. a lot happening last night. Great to uh, catch up with talking about fast bowlers with Paddy Cummings before. No doubt he's, uh, we're asking what he was doing for the rest of the day. He's going to stroll down to the beach with his girlfriend, Becky, and and, and uh, just take it easy down there. It's not a bad lifestyle, is it? Uh, good on him. I think mean, he'll get too much sand kicked in his face. <laughs> We've been told that Big Benny Straw, not only does he, he doesn't live just at Burke, he's 100 k's west of Burke. So he's out in the middle. So he's of, out the back of Burke. He's out the back of Burke, exactly right. <laughs> he's got a good uh, trip, huh? I'm sure he'll enjoy the trip to Sydney. Simon been reliably told that Benny Straw, and he has 6,000 sheep on his property, and they reckon he knows the name of every one of them. <laughs> That's not a bad effort, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, They're all bar someone. <laughs> I think someone's having a lend of us there, Simon, to be honest. I oh, know he strikes me as a very intelligent man, big strawny. Yeah, same. Wouldn't put it past him. Excellent conditions greeted the Bullets and the Arana Outlaws for the Thunder Conference final, with Outlaws skipper Mitch Bauer batting first after winning the toss. The Bullets made just one change, as Heath Norton explains, while it was the newly wedded Cam White who took the new ball. One change to the uh, Border Bullets team, obviously Andrew McDonald with the Sydney Thunder, with duties there, and in comes Nat Saruman, who will obviously be, be behind the sticks today with the gloves and does a good job later on with the bat with 360-degree shots. Cameron White to open the bowling uh, from the Paddington end for the Border Bullets, who got married on Friday. Yeah, I know. No no honeymoon for Whitey. Well, this is a bit no. of a honeymoon. He's a cricket oh. tragic. He's up at the SCG. Doesn't get much better than that, Robbie. And someone said to me, well, that's, geez, that's testing the commitment early in the marriage. And I said, it certainly is, and he's just proven cricket comes first. So, well done, Cameron White. No, good on him. He got married Friday. Got a big day ahead of him. The Bullets made a great start in the first 10 overs with Zach Simmons grabbing two wickets and bowling and fielding was outstanding. 
Simmons, the captain of the under-23 side for cricket, Albury Donga. Bowls now, and it's a brilliant bit of work from Nat Saruman. He's whipped the bales off in a flash, and he gets his man, Bauer, eventually. He dropped him in the previous over, and he has been stumped brilliantly out for seven. The score is one for 19. Nordo, that was outstanding. Yeah, it was. He just played a forward defensive shot. It went past the outside edge, and the back foot must have just came up out of the crease because Nat Saruman absolutely like a bullet, took bales off and was very, very adamant that he had a stump in and the, the square leg, bang, straight away. So, great wicket there. The fieldman is 10 metres in. Uh, Bowling! He's, through, he's through got him. it through him and Zach Simmons strikes again and that's the end of Herity. So, Simmons has knocked over both openers. Might have given a little bit of a mouthful on the way out too and it's two for 26. We're into the seventh over. White comes in now. Buckley charges him, finds a bit of a gap, whips it off his toes. They should come back for two here. No, they won't. Well done, Trent Ball. He got to it quickly, and I reckon he might have just blown his cover with a bit of a powder puff throw in the end. And I think they'll lope that one in the memory back, Simon. That's the end of the 10th over. And it's also the halfway mark, and the Border Bullets at the moment have the Outlaws two wickets down for 42. Nathan Brown removed the dangerous Greg Buckley. However, the Outlaws star, Nathan Pillum, was looming dangerously. Brown played a big part of that, and now he's playing a big part on the Border Bullets' efforts here, and he goes here, Buckley, off the top edge, and it is caught by yep. Armstrong, takes a good catch, running back at deep point, and the timing of that wicket is perfect for the Bullets. They get the breakthrough, and it's the danger man, Buckley, who's on his way. It's free for 52. Simmons now, well flighted, off the back foot, oh, a lovely shot from Pillen. It went the journey over cover for six, and that was pure muscle. He blasted it Away, and the score goes along to 3 for 83 and Pillen's on to 30. What a shot. The Bullets struck two big blows in the 16th and 17th overs after the Outlaws were building for a big finish. Of course, we have the Cricket Orbitonga chairman up here with us, Michael Earljack, and he just reiterated my point. He pulled out a $50 note, and I think he's got plenty of them in his wallet, and it did look a lot like uh, the the Bullets uniform. You could bungee jump off Earl Jack's wallet, mate. Is that thick? White comes in now, bowls to Kurtali and Kurtali's out! Good catch taken at point by Trent Ball. (laughs) And that has brought an end to the danger man. He didn't have time to drop it. He thrashed it to point. And Trent Ball took a good catch. And Michael Catali is out for 11. And the score is 4 for 87. We're in the 16th over. Well, it won't hope those are just listening on the radio, but those are also enjoy- enjoying the vision, the footage from Bar TV. I'm looking forward to the replay because Trent Ball absolutely bobbled that one, I tell you what. But he hung on to it. And then, Nordo, I loved his celebration, didn't you? His celebration was good, but uh, that went straight to him like a rocket. And I reckon that got him fair in the navel. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I reckon that's the only reason why it's stuck. And yeah. we're just saying how they fill out these shirts. Well, I'll tell you what, he fills it out and it got him right well, where the soft spot. I reckon that's why it's go. stuck. Here's a replay. And there was a, oh, little, yeah. a little bit of a bobble, but he managed to hang on. And it was a captain's catch. And look at the celebration. The arms are out. Key wicket. It's that man, Michael Catali. So Cameron White gets the sweet revenge there, Robbie. Important wicket of Catali. Yeah. If you're a cricket ball and you're trying to escape from someone's midriff, Trent Ball's midriff is not the one I would target because it's ample and it had nowhere to go. It was just sunk in there, didn't it? Jeez. And he just dragged it out with his fingers. But it was a good catch by the captain, Trent well, Ball. And obviously, uh, Cameron White, fresh from the White Wedding. Come on, nice. guess that oh, one in. Good one, good but, one. Uh, yeah, look, he's, um, he's been outstanding in the field with Jack Craig down here in front of us. Oh, you won't miss a thing on 208. <laughs> Very so, well done, Heath Norton. Good, Norton. Armstrong's going to bowl round the wicket now to Pillen. Bowl him! 
Keeper, that's a big wicket. Pillen tried to smash him over deep mid-wicket. Armstrong rattled the cage, and that's the fifth wicket to fall. The Border Bullets have the Arana Outlaws in a bit of bother. Five for 89. Nathan Brown bowled out the final over the innings as Arana Outlaws finished with a below par seven for 115. Another dot ball ticks over. Eight balls left in the innings. Five for 102. Winning the toss and batting. The Outlaws. Armstrong in now. On a length. Short. Tries to heave it. He'll be caught. He is. Cade Brown takes the catch. Running back from a short mid-wicket. And that is the end of O'Brien for four. And the score is six for 102. And we're into the 19th over. It's Nathan Brown. He's bowling to Patterson, who still looms as a danger. Patterson goes bang. Look at that one disappear. That is into the second oh. tier if you don't mind. He got a length ball from Brown and he's hit it a mile. Absolute mile into the Bill O'Reilly stand. Score goes up to six for 190. He says get that up your Heath Norton. We might have a bit more on the bank yet. Oh we don't care which oh. team hits sixes. We just love a big six and that was certainly that. Didn't he pick up that early and it went deep into the Bill O'Reilly stand. Well, As you said I don't think it went down the steps. It's gone into the car park. How are they going to get the ball back? There's no one over there in the O'Reilly stand at the moment. So it's, unless there's a couple of pigeons who've got the presence of mind to pluck, pick it up and throw it back, no chance. That's a lost ball. And we can see, yeah, look at Bruce Whitehouse, the uh, country cricket programs manager, operating there very smartly down the boundary line. Nice little throw back in, and he's going to have to bowl another ball. But that is a danger that Ben Patterson can do, Simon. Oh, he's absolutely. a huge hitter of the ball. That was massive, absolutely massive. Gee, we saw some big sixes in uh, the early game, but I would almost uh, suggest that's the biggest six we've seen so far this afternoon. Really picked it up early. Just yeah. went bang. And he's a confident young fella, young Benny Patterson. He's got a nice feel about himself at the moment there, Simon. He's feeling okay. Look at him just sort of strutting around the crease and saying to young Brownie, well, give us another one there, mate. The, well, they won't the get that are, ball back. I think they're keen to get it back. That's closer to Coogee <laughs> Beach than it is to the Sydney Cricket Ground wicket at the moment. Here we go. It'll be Nathan Brown. He'll come in. He'll bowl to Patterson. Bowl him! And Brown gives him a nice little mouthful too to send him on his way. He tried to sweep a Yorker and it's knocked him over and Nathan Brown responds beautifully with the dangerous Patterson bold for 18. It's 7 for 109 with 4 balls to go. Brown to complete the innings. Bowls to Ryan and he's gone for the keeper. Saruman has a shot and he is not out. out. Well, that is interesting that one. He was well short of his crease. Nat Saruman is questioning the umpire. What's happened here they've now? They've run this is, a bye. They've run a bye. So they finish on 115-7 down after their 20 overs. But they seem a bit nonplussed why there wasn't. Anyway, that is the end of the innings. It's 7 for 115 after 20 overs. That's an outstanding fielding and bowling performance. The five bowlers used did a superb job with Nathan Brown, Zach Simmons and Matt Armstrong taking two wickets. Opening pair, Matt Gench, no wicket for 16 and Cam White, one for 20, bowled 24 dot balls between them. Bullet skipper Trent Ball and Alex Popko strode out to the middle of the Sydney cricket ground for the start of the innings that started in typical T-ball fashion. What will he do? Trent Ball, Cox comes in and Ball cuts over the top of slips and he should run it down to the boundary. The third man comes around. Big Benny Strawn, he can't cut it off. Trent Ball gets the boundary off the first ball he faced. He chops it over the top of the slips to complete the first over. And a good shot too uh, by Ball. 
He looks a bit ginger, Big Benny he Strong, does, doesn't he, Norto? I'm not sure if that chase to third man, the ideal lead up to bowling his first over. He's a bit stiff and sore. Reminds me of you trying to sort of warm up in the mornings, Norto. There's <laughs> a bit more choke required as Strawn comes in, bowls the ball, and he tries to repeat the shot, cut over the top of the slips, and it goes through to the keeper. Right to reply, Norto? Not a press, I can no, tell. No, it's all good. You know when he doesn't say anything, I'm in trouble. I mean, he's just trying to work out when the last time he saw me warm up in the morning, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know about it. What was the room allocation last night, Simon? In singles, were they? Or Top and tail, not all night. Down in Goulburn. <laughs> Didn't you give Goulburn a rap earlier on today in the coverage as Strawn warms up for his fourth delivery. He bowls to Trent Ball. Ball cuts high down to third man. Oh, he's taken the catch. What a catch. He's hit it right down his throat. Ten metres off the boundary at third man. And that's the end of Trent Ball. Well, he lives by the sword and sometimes he dies by the sword. That was a good catch. Cade Brown joined Popgo at the crease and immediately set about hauling in the target with some fine batting. Hawks now, bowls from the Randrick end, he bowls to Brown. Brown charges him and smashes him <laughs> over mid-off. It'll go away for four runs. Good intent there from Cade Brown. Good bit of cricket. He gets the boundary and it goes on to one for 38. Cade Brown's up to nine. Alex Popko on 20. Nath Pillar must go right with the gloves, Robbie, up to the stump. Well, no helmet, so just... Uh, played 10 games for New South Wales and a St George Cricket Club team of the century as a wicketkeeper. Nordo, so you can tick he that box. He does go okay, yeah. He goes right. okay. Touche. Good lad too. Works for the Kookaburra. Now Cox comes in. Popko cuts at it and misses. And it's through to the keeper. And it was a nice bit of work. It was a very impressive take, that. Mm. Former Dubbo boy, Nath Pillen, went down to uh, Melbourne. He's captain coach of Carlton in the cricket, Simon, not football, and now playing in Berwick in uh, sub-districts cricket. Coming back and playing in this Plan B regional bash, it's been a huge success. Four teams playing on the SCG. As Cox comes in, bowls to Popko. Popko goes whack. He might be out. No! It's gone over the head of the fieldsman, and it's four runs. First bounce over the boundary. And there's a little bit of conjecture there from some people in the commentary box thinking it might have gone the journey, but it was a catch. It was a tough one, Simon, and that's the end of the seventh over. So after seven overs and that big hit, Poppers, uh, which was a four, the uh, Bullets are one wicket down for 43. The pair had moved the score along to one for 44 before the wicket of Popco triggered a collapse that had four wickets fall for just 14 runs in four overs. One for 44, we've got one ball left in the eighth over. And after eight overs, the Arana Outlaws were two for 32. So the bullet's still tracking nicely here. Buckley comes in. Oh, he might have bowled him. He has. He's got through with a quicker one. And he's knocked big Alex Popko over for 24. And the timing was good at the completion of the eighth over, Simon. Yeah, big wicket there for the Outlaws. Alex Popko's gone for 24 after eight overs. The uh, the bullets, I beg your pardon, are two down for 44. Thanks to Martins Aubrey. Run chase and doing it very well at the moment. Yes, Patterson steams in, ball short, and he tries to hook him, and he's, he's out. out. He's got a feather on it. Cade Brown is out, caught pill and bowl Patterson. He goes for 13, and the score is 3 for 49. It's 3 for 57. We're in the 11 favour. 116 for victory is a target. Armstrong gets it behind point, down towards third man. He's pretty quick between the wickets, and he decides to come back. A good throw, and he's in trouble. Ooh, he's and gone. he's out. He's run him out, coming back for the second, and that's a bit of disappointment. Appointment there for Matty Armstrong. He's run out for one. Great throw from the boundary line. I think it might have been Matty Skinner who hurled the ball in. And quick as a flash, Nathan Pillen got the bails off. 
Patterson, he's steaming in now and he bowls to Craig and Craig, he gets it off the edge, he's out. He's got a leading edge, he's hit it to cover and Jack Craig's out second ball, trying to turn the ball on the onside and that is further trouble for the Bullets. They're now five for 58 and we're in the 11th over. The Outlaws then made a mess of a run out that should have seen Drew Cameron dismissed and then Nat Saruman survived a huge LBW shout that would have left the Bullets in huge trouble at 6 for 62. Buckley, he's from the Paddington end, bowling a good spell. He goes short, and that's a big oh. shout for LBW. That's close. That is real close, and it's given, <laughs> not out. Oh, nice pill and shakes his head. That must have been very close. Saruman got caught at the crease. He played back. And I reckon it was missing maybe off stump and maybe missing leg stump. But old middle stump might have been under a bit of bother there. I reckon Nat Saruman's dodged a bullet. That might be just the change of fortune the bullets need. David Farrell, who was watching the wickets tumble at the non-striker's end, was an excellent touch as he and Saruman started the rescue mission. Drawn comes back into him. This time Farrell punches it through point for four. First bounce over the fence it goes. And David Farrell moves along to 31 runs now. And it's six for 99. Bullets are just taking the advantage again, Heath Norton. Yeah, he's right in control here. He's got a bit of a swagger. He doesn't mind about this run chase. He's just going to go out there and bat. And bat he does well. They took the score into the 90s before the game took another twist when first Saruman and then Farrell were both dismissed. Herity back in again now, and it's full, and this time he's bowled oh, he's gone. Well, I reckon Saruman played a poor shot because he didn't get the ball before, and it was playing on his mind. He's played all over the top of that one, and Herity gets his man. It's 6 for 92, and it means it's 24 of 24 balls. They've got 17 balls to do it, and their top scorer, David Farrell, sits on 32, not out. Interesting with Farrell too, Sonk, he's colourblind, so it's often the, the pink ball is not the perfect ball for him to hit either. But he's done, oh, that's full, he's bowled him! Oh, that's too Turned the game a little bit. David Farrell, he got yorked on leg stump there from Anthony Herity, and he's knocked it back. The leg stump, that is. And that's a big wicket for the Outlaws. It's 7 for 104, 12 runs to win, 16 balls left. Drew Cameron and Nathan Brown held their nerve and wrapped up the match with nine balls to spare to take out the Thunder Regional title and a spot in the Plan B Regional Bash final under lights in just over an hour's time. Bullets need seven to win, and there's 12 balls left. O'Brien comes in, bowls short. Cameron hooks high down to fine leg. First bounce down to Matty Skinner, and they take the single. And I reckon if Cameron had let it go, it might have been a wise, dangerous stuff bowling that short to Drew Cameron. Big Maybe. opportunity here for Nathan Brown just to get another single, pick a gap, get Drew back up there. So it's six runs required off 11 balls for the Bullets. Brown faces O'Brien. He's into him now, and Brown plays a cut shot. He plays a beautiful cut shot. Got it down to third man. He's slow oh, between misfield, and they'll get back for the second run. They might go for three. Drew Great Cameron, running. sensational bit of running. Oh, he might be out, is he? He's right. He's got home at the bowler's end. Nathan Brown scuttled home for three. Oh, it was all happening. It was a misfield at third man. It was a great throw back into the bowler's end. At the end of the day, the Bullets get three runs, Simon. They need three to win with ten balls left. Oh, look, it probably wasn't needed, but Drew Cameron, that was ballsy running, wasn't it? He saw the misfield and he decided to get that extra one, and uh, Brown just scurried home. Well done, Drew Cameron. Yep, absolutely, and that's the body language we're talking about. Be positive, own these last few overs, and get the border bullets over the line and into the final. In comes O'Brien, bowls to Drew Cameron. All the field's in now. Cameron smashes it through the covers. That's four runs, and the border bullets are the Thunder Regional champions in the Plan B Regional Big Bash. Uh, well done, Albert Ongo.
they were the town is proud of them. Drew Cameron nursed the boys home. They're off to the big stage under lights tonight at the SCG. The Border Bullets will take on the North Inland Bolters. Trent Ball said it was a smooth win and he became confident things would even get better. The semi-final, we ended up getting the job done pretty easy. What I didn't expect is just how the boys approached it. Thought we might get stuck in our surroundings and just thinking, how good's this, being at the SCG? We'd even trained earlier in the day and used the, the net. We'd been looked after. We're in the, you know, the great change rooms there. But once the game started, it was all business and got the job done and we were on to the final pretty quick. Yeah, our approach and our mindset was very good. And once I sort of cottoned onto that throughout the first sort of half an hour of that game, I thought, we're going to take a lot of beating these next two games. An injury-free bullet side meant no change, with Lavington's English import player, Jethro Menzies, to again carry the drinks. Their opponent would be the Northern Inland Bolters, and they were a very strong outfit, with several New South Wales country representatives amongst them, including Tom Groff, Michael Rickson and Tim Kensel. The older brother of Australian fast bowler Josh Hazelwood, Aaron Hazelwood, was in the side as well. Bullet skipper Trent Ball won the toss and had no hesitation in batting, under the SCG night sky. Ten minutes after the start, Bullets number six batsman, Matt Armstrong, was at the crease as Mayhem struck the Bullets top order. In one of the most remarkable spells of bowling, Tim Kensel had decimated the Bullets top order, taking four wickets for one run with his first seven balls to leave the Bullets on its knees at four for four after just 14 deliveries. Skipper Trent Ball, who was first dismissed, could not believe what was unfolding. So the final, win the toss. We bat, I'm opening the batting. First ball, it's a short ball, and I'm thinking halfway down, how far am I gonna hit this? It wasn't very fast, and I've top edged it straight up in the air. So first ball, the final, of all things, I'm out. And by the time I get off and sit down, pop go, he's out. <laughs> by the time he comes and sits down next to me, Brown, he's out. And then by the time he then sits down next to Popko, Farrell, he's out. So we're four for four. I remember looking looking next to me, there was Popko, Brown and Farrell, the four of us all sitting there next to each other in the space of six, seven minutes. And after everything had gone to plan the whole way, the whole lead up, everything, the games, the semi-final, and then for it to start like that, I just couldn't believe it. While Coach Jackson, he got a hell of a shot returning the ground after him and his son Charlie went searching for a jumper in the cold air. Out we go to the bus, got his jumper and, and back we come and there's a lot of noise. I'm thinking, oh, geez, I hope we're hitting fours, mate. Yeah, yeah, I reckon we're hitting some fours and sixes here. So we walked back through the gate, back through the, the gap between um, the ladies and the members stand. I saw a glimpse of the scoreboard and I was going, so is that four for fourteen? Yeah, Dad, it is. And I'm sort of going, oh no, what's going on here? So as I walked out, as I walked onto the ground to where our bench was, turn around in the dressing rooms because we had the, the home dressing sheds SCG. I see um, Farrell, Brown, Ball, Popko all sitting on the balcony with solemn looks on their faces, and I'm going, oh jeez, that's not that's not excellent. Charlie and I sort of walked, and Charlie sort of tucked in behind me. He's he's ready for me to ask some serious questions, and I sort of looked at the group and thought, oh no, I can see they're all sort of trying to work this one out for themselves. And I think um, uh, Matty Armstrong drew Cameron at the crease. I just ventured down. All the majority of the group was sitting sitting together, and then 
another gentleman was sitting probably 10 or 15 metres down the other end and I saw him with a look on his face. I thought, right, I'm going to get some real honest feedback from this guy. I'm going to go down and have a chat to him. Anyway, I sat down next to him and the look on his face was, don't you even dare talk to me. I'm ready to kill somebody. And I said, mate, uh, Zachy, Zach Simmons, what's uh, what's happened to Bob, I'm ready to shoot every single batsman that's in that dressing room right now. I am livid. So I said, righty, mate, I'll just leave it to you and I'll just walk and sit over here. I've never seen a, a, a crankier man in my entire life. The divide between batsman and bowler was at its widest at that point with, with Zach going. He, was, he said, I can bowl to most targets, but 14 is ridiculous. These blokes need to get me a few more runs before I can start feeling a bit <laughs> And I thought, oh, mate, good on you. I love your passion. And that's you know, that's the buying that we had. And uh, and I looked at Chai and said, mate, that's the last time we are missing any cricket for you to get a jumper. It'd want to be snowing the next time you need a jumper, my boy. And he goes, yes, Dad, fair enough. Done. The chaos started with the very first delivery of the final. So it'll be Tim Kensel. We'll start proceedings in the Plan B Regional Bash final. Bowl from the Randwick end. He's bowling to Trent Ball, who goes back. He pulls. He hasn't timed it. He's got it up in the air. Aaron Hazelwood running around, takes the catch. And what a start for the inland bolters. The skipper's gone for the board of bullets. It's one for none. Three balls later, Kensel was added again. So Popco just struggling at the moment. He's played and missed at his first two deliveries from Timmy Kensel. And he faces Kensel again now. And he's back. He's edged it. It's gone to slip. And the catch taken by Simon Norville. And the border Bullets lose their second wicket in just the fourth ball of the innings. The Bullets are two for none. And what a disastrous start. To complete the first over, Kensel drove a dagger into the Bullets' heart. Oh, what an over from Tim Kensel. He's got one delivery to come. Cade Brown is on strike. The Bullets need someone here now. It's Kay Brown. And he faces Kensel now. Short. It's pulled away by Kay Brown. He's got a top edge on that. Ryan Meppen's getting underneath it. And he's taken the catch behind square leg. Oh, dear. And the border Bullets. Would you believe it? After the first over of the Plan B Regional Bash final, a three for one, Timmy Kensel. He has all those wickets. The Border Bullets, three for one after the first over, after winning the toss and batting. Two singles and a wide off the next over from Brenton Reynolds provided some breathing space for the shell-shocked Bullets. However, it was short-lived as Kensel stunned the crowd with another wicket. Kensel will start his second over after the mayhem of the first over. He took three wickets in that first over, bowling to David Farrell, who's on two. And he gets a short ball, and he pulls it, and he's mistimed this. It's high in the air. Dawson comes around, takes a catch. Kensel has his fourth wicket. The Border Bullets are four for four. We've gone 14 deliveries into this match. Gain another mistimed pull shot from a Border Bullets batter. David Farrell is on his way. He's out for two. The Bullets are four for four, and Kensel of seven deliveries, has the remarkable figures of four for one. So one ball into the third over, and the Bullets' two batters, Matt Armstrong and Drew Cameron, had not faced a ball and had a shipwreck to navigate out of. As Armstrong explains, the mindset and tactics he applied. 
So I was actually unusually calm when I walked out. It kind of, I usually get a bit nervous or anxious sitting around waiting to bat. So at four for four, I didn't have much time to think about it. I was scrambling to get my pads on and get on the grounds. I'd been playing pretty well at club level at the time and I'd, I'd actually managed to run myself out in the semi-final. So I was determined to to do well and have a bit of an impact in the final. So so I'd put together a pretty good plan in between the games, rehearsed it and the plan was to, to be busy and just rotate the strike. Um, there was a big boundary on one side. So I wanted to hit that fat side as often as possible and try and run some twos and and then opportunity was going to attack the ball and counter punch if they bowled short. Uh, obviously, the situation and the the position we were in dictated really how I had to play. And you know, I couldn't afford for us to lose another wicket, so I just had to hang in there. And I was trying to slow the down the game down as much as I could and just suck a bit of air out of it to give us a bit of time. So and then I remember getting a free hit pretty early on in my innings, and I managed to get that one to the boundary. And I was batting with Drew Cameron at the time, and, and he was just hanging in there. And he turned the game, turned the strike over, and got a few singles, and was doing the right thing. And I. Just just sort of said half jokingly at four for 16 you know we're getting on top here and um, we had a laugh about it but um, I honestly think in the back of my mind I was probably half serious and I was I was kind of still confident that we could work together and put together a decent total plan from there was if uh, Drew or myself could at least anchor the innings guys like Jack Craig Nathan Brown and Nat Saruman were still to come and they could walk in and play their shots with a bit of freedom if we just absorbed a few balls and, and turn the strike over in the meantime Drew and I had a pretty good partnership they then put the field back which I think was a bit of a tactical error so that just allowed us to pick up the ones and twos without taking too much risk and, and take the game a bit deeper and then Jack Craig come in and he played really well so I encouraged him to take the game on and play positive and he played a really good aggressive innings you know he hit the rope a few times and he managed to hit one big ball into the stands I just ran hard and watched him hit it and um, we managed to uh, creep to 130 which was a pretty competitive total considering you know we were bowling under lights and and we were starting off at four for four so so yeah not a bad result in the end. The pair gradually stabled the ship with some sensible batting and kept the run rate ticking along with a series of boundaries. Going to take some good bowling here from Reynolds. We haven't seen too many um, big shots off, off the free hit so far as he comes in again. Great shot there. Beats the man at short fine leg and that's the first boundary of the innings. Much needed for the border bullets. And at the end of four overs, that's four for 16. Four for three with one ball left in his third over. One of those bells that you really will remember for a long time. Here he comes again with his final ball of his over. Great shot. Dropped it short there, and that's a good shot from there from Cameron. Just helped it on its way over for four behind uh, behind square leg. Hazelwood's in. He's certainly gone through the offside, but he's beaten the two fielders there in cover. It's slowly, slowly, but it's there, and it's a four. A much-needed four for the border bullets and it was a great shot there piercing the, the two cover fieldsmen there. He's stacked that offside field and he's pierced the gap beautifully there for a lovely cover drive for four and uh, Cameron's really starting to get a bit of momentum here for the bullet. They just need him to hang around for the next, probably next 10 overs and keep going the way he's going. However, the loss of Cameron and then Nat Saruman had the bullets back in strife at 6 for 61 in the 13th over. They're really on the ball in the field here and they're cutting off as many as they can. So this is really making it difficult for the bullets at the moment. Here comes Chesterfield again. Big swing, it's a big appeal and he's out. LBW, he's tried to hoik it straight into the Bill O'Reilly stand. Misses everything but not that front pad and that is out. Looked like it was going to hit middle about halfway up and uh, that's another wicket down here for the bullets when they could have least afforded it. That's wide, son. Bowled again. Good feeling, just got a feather to the keeper. Well, well kept as well. It was well taken by Groth. That's just shown how good his hands were from an experienced player that he is. On dismissal, when asked by the boundary rider post-dismissal, Cameron was pretty blunt. 
Well, you look like you started seeing it. What happened there? Uh, just missed a straight one. Fair enough. They're the worst ones to miss too. Cricket New South Wales commentator Paul Brockley thought the Bullets may have used all their ammo earlier in the afternoon and read a social media tweet from Wagga cricket heavy hitter Luke Olsen, who seemed to be relishing the Bullets' predicament. Olsen obviously still bitter with the Andrew McDonald appearance a month earlier against his beloved floggers, sorry, sloggers. Your thoughts on the first five overs, Paul? Well, I'm glad I didn't blink. My <laughs> goodness. Holy dooly, holy dooly. The bolters have really taken a, a grip on this game by a long way, haven't they? And uh, maybe just looking here that uh, the border bullets, they may have played their grand final a bit earlier today. So, yeah, I've just had a tweet uh, from, a, from a good friend down in the Wagga area, uh, Luke Olsen, apparently. He's uh, very happy that the border bullets are struggling. Mmm, that treat was to age very well for Mr Olsen. The fall of the sixth wicket brought Wodonga young gun Jack Craig to the crease for what would be a brilliant partnership with Matt Armstrong. With five overs to play and the bullets reeling at six for 70, the game took a massive momentum shift when 17 runs were taken with the second ball going for five wides. Maybe this is the opportunity here for the Bullets. Oh, and, oh, there's be some costly. runs here. That's going to be five wides. We're going to take them every day of the week. That's helped the board of Bullets out, that delivery. Yeah, I think the key with Jones was that uh, for the for the Bolters was he actually comes on and he tries to get through his overs really quickly and he, he gets to his fourth or fifth uh, ball in his over before you can even blink. So... Um, well, five wides isn't going to help. At this stage, uh, Nathan would be really good if you could bowl them on the pitch. <laughs> Jones comes in again. Played nicely that's out the side. That's a great shot. He's absolutely tying the pants off that one as well. And that's going to go oh, all the way. That's yeah. a fantastic shot there from Armstrong. Prove a really uh, key over um, in the course of the match because there's uh, only four balls have been bowled. And what's that? There's 13 off the over 13 so 13 off far. the over so far. So This is a handy over for the Bullets. Yeah, handy absolutely. over. It's another good yeah, shot. He's yeah. got it through. And that's going to be another boundary. That's fantastic. Fantastic batting here from Armstrong. He's he's on fire at the moment, seeing the ball really well and, and just timing the ball excellently. He actually didn't hit that too hard, but it's just raced away across this carpet. And the other thing, he, he is really running hard. He's making it happen. He's, he's turning ones into twos. Very smart cricketer, Armstrong. That's the end of the over, and we're at 6 for 87. A huge over there for the Border Bullets with 17 coming from it. Matt Armstrong brought up his game-saving 50, while Jack Craig really stepped up the power as the Bullets launched a final attack on the Bolters. That single to uh, mid-off there for Armstrong has brought up his fifth of 44 deliveries. That's a good innings and, and desperately needed innings from the Border Bullets. He's, he's pulled this side together tonight by uh, by playing, you know, a lone hand, basically. But smart, been smart cricket as well, and that's been the key. He hasn't been trying to go for the big shot. He's just been worked the ball into the gaps, found the boundary when needed. It's the end of the 18th over, and we are six for 108. Uh, they bring this home, two overs to go. We're looking at, what, 10 and over. We're looking at one, 129, 130. 30. Well, from the, from the position they were in, they would take that any day of the week. Hazelwood to continue. From the round weekend and hit right. that one big. Can he beat the fieldsman? Yes, he has. Great shot from uh, Craig here. He's, he's put the cap on and he's pinned the ears back and he's got all of that one. Took on the, the uh, long on fielder and put it straight over his head. Come back from that as he comes in again. Oh, the oh. cut shots come out. It's a big chase here from the man at backward point and but can't cut that one off. That's four. Ten off the first two balls here. That's what we were talking about for the whole over. What can they produce from the rest of this? Hazelwood's got to bounce 
bounce back now. Oh, yeah, Craig. He's flowing on to 32. Fantastic cricket. Mate, these, these two have put on 63 in 35 deliveries. That's wow. how quickly they've gone through and got the border bullets into a position here with five fours and one and one huge maximum six. Just a single that time. He hit that one too well. But if they can get if they can get another 10 or so off this over, there's no doubt that the momentum is fully with the bullets going into the uh, the second innings. Well, that, 15 off that last over. It's now cruised the border bullets up to 6 to 124 and definitely gives them something to bowl to. Craig's innings came to an end on 38 on the second last ball with Armstrong hitting two runs off the final delivery to finish 54 not out and the Bullets 7 for 130. But Reynolds comes in, two balls left in the innings and skied it. The keeper's under it, should take this comfortably and he does but that's a fantastic innings from uh, young Craig. He's really batted well and batted the Bullets uh, right back into this match. Yeah, no, Jack Craig, a great innings there. A a little cameo, a a top knock. 38 runs off, 22 deliveries. Rousing a round of applause here from the crowd here in the members area. uh, Acknowledging uh, his little feat there. It was a brilliant effort to bring the border bullets up to uh, 7 for 128 and give them something to bowl to at the end of this over when they come out to bowl. Armstrong was interviewed immediately after he left the ground and gave the impression the bullets were a big chance. Yeah, it's hard work. I really had to work hard. They were four for, I think we were four for five and they were bowling really well. And I didn't hit too many boundaries out there, so you're right, I had to work pretty hard. There's a lot of running in the outfield and I'm nowhere near as fast as I used to be. Yeah, very good. Well, you put your side in a very good position for this match and hopefully you guys can go on and win it. Yeah, usually it's a little bit harder. Apparently you bat with the pink ball under lights, so hopefully that's in our favour. It usually swings around a bit. We saw that in the test match, so hopefully a bit of luck. Um, they were four for five. If we can get two or three early poles, then 130. 30s a long way away. While skipper Trent Ball said his innings inspired the teammates in the field. Matt Armstrong came out to bat at three for one and it would have felt like climbing Everest with all the pressure, the scoreboard pressure, losing wickets and having to set a total in a final. But in the end, he got us to 130. But just the effort that he had, he was completely exhausted. He put everything into this innings, this one innings. He left everything out there to the point where he couldn't start on the field when we went out to bowl. So I said to the guys, we need to back that up. He's got us to a total of 130. We all need a little bit of Armstrong in us for this 20 overs in the field and with the ball where we just give everything we have and walk off exhausted and we need to back it up. I knew we would. I knew we would. After 10 runs came off the first two overs of Bolter's innings, the introduction of spinner Zach Simmons had an immediate impact. Certainly is as we uh, see Simmons' uh, right arm around the wicket. He's bowled him! Bowled him, the bowling change has worked here. That's the first wicket down for the Bolters and here we go. That was uh, might have been chopped on but it certainly came through quicker, much quicker than Dawson was expecting. Skipper Trent Ball was changing his bowlers with great effect with the reintroduction of Cameron White and Simmons again putting the bullets right in the contest after six overs. Very disciplined in this over. Here he comes again, White from the Ramwick end. And he's gone! He's He's gone. LBW come down the wicket for him, but it was very full. It was very straight. And that's the second wicket down here. Inland uh, Bolters here. That's the big wicket of Norville. He's out for seven. Three balls left of the power play. Simmons bounces to Jones. There's a big appeal and he's gone. Yeah, that's that's another one. Looks like Marty, I think, skidded on again from the spinners. It's uh, been a feature of the, the dewy conditions, I think, in this game at the moment. Absolutely. The ball seems to be getting onto the batsman in a bit of a hurry from the spinners and they uh, and uh, I think he was just trying to work that one off his stumps away for a single and it just skidded onto him a little bit quickly. 
The halfway point of the run chase still favoured the Inland Bolters, who were three for 59. In comparison, the Bullets were four for 44. Nathan Brown made a massive breakthrough in the first over after the drinks break to bring the Bullets back into the contest. It's really good bowl bowling here in his first over from Brown. Dances got, down to Wigan, he's got him. Bowled him, top of middle stump, just where we are. Here's how the game changes. We just said they were in a bit of a, a nothing period there, the Bolters, and they, all they gave us was a wicket, which was uh, for the uh, Bullets there. They're back into it, into the box seat, I would say, because it's got to build another partnership. That, was just, that partnership was moving along quite well. Between overs 13 and 15, the Bolters took control, again adding 24 runs before a brilliant bit of fielding by Jack Craig disposed of top scorer Michael Rickson. 48 off 32 at the current stage. Very handy partnership this one. Brown coming in again. Oh, oh. A little faint edge. We've got a third man down here, he's quite fine, but oh, they're coming back That's for a, a good second. They take, take him and he's out, run out. That's a, a huge blow for the Bolters. Not sure it was required, um, but Rickson's been run out, coming back for the second. Um, that's a huge tiny point in this game, I would suggest. Yeah, I think you're right there. That's the man they wanted to keep in, but well, I mean, from the Bullets' point of view, they wanted to get out and they actually got it from a faint edge down to third man and a great bit of fielding off the boundary from uh, Craig, Jack Craig. Cameron White bowled the third last over for the Bullets and it proved to be a good one for the Bolters. 34 or 15 required here. 13.6 is the run rate required. It, White comes in again and oh, oh here's shot. the shot. Oh, he's whipped that one over. Sort of a half flick, half ramp shot down a fine leg with his no man and got a boundary there. That's definitely what the Bolters needed. Good innovation here from the Bolters and they need a bit more of that. It's going to be a, a, an interesting thing to see how White can follow that up. He's certainly dancing around the guys again and that's a big one. That's a DLF maximum. Yeah, that's why he steps away there, Matty, and puts the <laughs> ball into the Bill O'Reilly about 15 rows back. He likes to step away, open the face and, and build it over over cover point there. Yeah, turning out to be a decent over here for the Bolters. 12 off it. To, uh, last ball of the over here. To that one getting onto it. He's dancing around the again and oh, he's gone the flick. Oh, he's just picked out the man there. Oh. Short fine leg, otherwise that was four. Big over. over. 13 runs off the over. Just what the doctor ordered for the Bolters. Five for 108 here from 18. 23 required off 12. The competition's leading wicket taker, Zach Simmons, took the ball for the second last over, with 23 runs required from the 12 balls. The Wiley off spinner did a superb job, conceding just seven runs as the Bullets were on the verge of a remarkable victory. Cam White, married just two days previous, had the task of delivering the final over, with 16 runs needed for the Bolters and the commentary team and others resigned to the fact that the trophy was likely to be heading to the border. We look back 30 overs ago or 38 overs ago when uh, the border bullets sat at four for six and now they're in a position to win the game. Unbelievable comeback from the border bullet. And my friend down there at Wagga will be struggling with this at the moment, <laughs> I'll tell you. My mate, Lukey Olsen, who from the Wagga area, he's not keen on the border bullets. Yeah, well, big Cam White's got the job. He's going to be taking this last over. He's got the ball in hand. My, ma my mate, Lukey's hoping that he's going to go inside out over cover, <laughs> mate, and get those 16 runs because he'll never hear the end of it. Despite bowling a no ball with his second delivery, White was outstanding as just five runs came from the first four legal deliveries, meaning that the Bolters needed a boundary and a six off the last two balls to force a super over. And it looks like the uh, Nor Northern Inland Bolters have uh, basically given up the given up the ghost here. 
Still can do it. Yeah. Still can do it. Maybe a super over, Paul. A four and a six, what do you reckon? Uh, we'll go into a super over. just to stay on that long? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> they will. 11 required to win. 10 for a super over. Got to go the journey. Gets onto it. That's four. That's four. He's hit four. Four. They're still in it here. Still in it with a chance. He's got to go big here, though. One ball left. There's seven to win. He wouldn't want to overstep here, big Cam White, like he did earlier in the over. He's got to go big, or unless our, our friend Mr. White oversteps that line. I know from his thoughts, but he'll be saying, I might bowl this from behind the umpire. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be bowling it from his bowling mark, to be fair. He's, he's here we go, ladies and gents. Here it is. Seven it is. required. Need, Six for a super over. Here it is. It out. And he's, oh, oh, he's missed it. He's missed it. And the Border Bullets win. The inaugural Pramboo Regional Bash. The Bullets have got it from being four for six in their batting it in the third over to come away with a win here at the SCG. Matt Armstrong was named player of the match for his unbeaten century and bowling, where he conceded just 16 runs off his four overs. He completed an amazing 12 months for the Talangata All-Rounder, as he explains. Obviously, it was a bit of a purple patch for me and for CAW and the Talangata Cricket Club. We were coming off uh, winning the Provincial Premiership in 2015. That was definitely one of my proudest moments and to, to lead the guys to victory there and to be able to share that experience with some of our best mates was, was unbelievable. And um, one of the rewards for winning that competition was to get an entry into the Victorian Regional Bash, which was a T20 knockout tournament. And... Um, as that sort of progressed, we kept winning, got through all our round games. We moved through to the grand final and final of that tournament was actually played on the MCG. I got to share that with uh, Trent Ball. He was uh, also playing with Talangata. So we, we had the SCG and the MCG together in the in the same season. So I think in that summer, we also, we obviously had the Plan B Regional Bash tournament that we won. We had the MVP player for that tournament, which was obviously me. Won the CAW New South Wales Cricket Association of the Year. And I think Robbie Jackson also won New South Wales Coach of the Year. So so I was just super pumped for CAW and everyone involved and, um, you know, it was just great to be able to repay them for, for all their hard work and the faith that they'd shown in us and the other players during that season. Then to top that off, I actually got to go to America and play in the US Open there, which is uh, it's a list A T20 tournament um, that's held in Florida every year and there's a heap of first class and international players that, that participate in that and obviously the surroundings and the environment's a pretty cool place to play cricket. Uh, really interesting how my career had come full circle and I as a young kid, I'd come through the Cricket Australia high performance programs and I had opportunities to possibly play first class cricket. I really just battled with self-belief and anxiety and I, I really couldn't get it done back then. So to, I guess, to achieve some of my childhood dreams as a bloke in his mid-30s, you know, playing for a regional New South Wales organisation and a, a bunch of misfits from a town called Talangadu, pretty incredible for me. And, you know, I just got back to playing the game because I loved it. You know, I conquered most of my mental demons and I put in some hard yards and, and the results eventually came. So, yeah, so 2015, 20. 16, uh, pretty special time in, in, in my life for sure. Captain Trent Ball was one happy man when interviewed by Bar TV post match. Weren't amongst the rungs, but I'm sure you'll be amongst the drinks tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, face one one ball. I don't have the best record here at all. So, but everyone stepped up when they needed. Like to be four for three, like I said, and just to come through with a score that we wanted to start start the night with. Yeah, unreal. And then we and then we played well in the field. So. Yeah, definitely the fielding was probably the difference in the end. Something you worked on? Yeah, well, I, we've prepared for three months for this just to get here tonight. And um, it's just one of them ones where everything's falling into place and, you know, it's all gone along perfect in the end. Like, to get the result is unreal. Well, tell the Bar TV world right now, how good is it to win at the SCG? Oh, it doesn't get much better. 
the Border Bullets winning skipper there. And uh, it was a great performance by them. It was a great fight back. And uh, they're very deserving champions here today at the SCG. Unfortunately, due to time constraints and timings around the hiring of the venue, the SCG change rooms were cleared very quickly. The lights turned off, so the party was a bit subdued, but fired up the next day, as the skipper explains. After, obviously, a big day, big couple of games, try to celebrate, so we go out everywhere shut in Sydney, except for the casino, so we went there, but everyone was pretty wrecked, so it was pretty low-key in the end. We had, I think we had something to eat at a Chinese restaurant, but the next morning came, and what that meant was everyone was fresh for the bus trip home, so especially you got such a great feeling around the group, feeling okay the next day, no one's hung over, so we loaded up the bus, and especially when you get to win something like we did, like something so special, spend all that time together, it was such a hard thing to achieve. We then got an eight-hour bus trip where it was just all of us together to soak in all that vibe the whole way home. I think that's what made that one of the best bus trips I've ever been on. Just the feeling and the vibe of that that whole way home where we could just soak it all in just together for now with no one else there until we got home will always stand out to me as one of the best trips I've ever had just for, you know, it was just such a happy time. (laughs) Sort of sounds funny, but just the feeling on the bus was as good as you could get. We get back to the new market and then you have friends and family and, you know, a few of the other boys who've been involved as well. So we sort of kicked on there and she was pumping there at the new new market for a while. Yeah, the bus trip was one of the best ones I've, I've ever been on. The bus trip home, superbly navigated by driver Grant Ball the next day, was epic all the way down the highway until arrival at home base, the Newmarket Hotel, Monday afternoon for more celebrations and more fun and games. Coach Robbie Jackson spoke about the enjoyment by all and the trip back and arrival to the old home base, the Newmarket Hotel. We couldn't find a beer anywhere in Sydney. For some reason, Sydney ran out of beer. We couldn't celebrate accordingly. And, you know, we all had to sort of make do with what we got. And we sort of made a pact that, right, let's make the bus trip home, an awesome trip home. But Heath Norton is a master of finding beer. So he found some beers and there's some photos floating around of him. Alex Popcow and, and, and David Farrell just sitting around drinking beers with their shirts off and God knows what time. And it was a magnificent photo. They're from three different clubs, three different generations in inverted commas, I suppose you could say. Just bonding over a massive success for our, our little community, I suppose. It's not, well, it is. It's our community and our, our, our Border Bullets Cricket Club. So that was the start. I saw that photo. This is going to be an epic trip home. And you know, got back to the um, to the new market and it was like a hero's welcome. All the locals there, I'm not sure if they knew what was going on, but we made it feel like they, you know, it was a big hero's welcome. They're all there cheering, cheering the, you know, we all, we all know Mick's not an overly affectionate man. We all went up and hugged him. We all bloody, you know, said thank you. We all, you know, made him feel part of it. And what we'd done was we sort of made a decision as a group that we had a, a spare medallion. And once we got back, we sort of made sure that everyone was in the room and the whole joint was quiet. And we made a special presentation to meet his uh, medallion. And he got quite emotional. He, he, he cried a little bit and, you know, and we presented him the trophy and, and said, mate, you're, you're very much a part of this than anybody. And, you know, for Mick to respond like that, you know, he's hard. No, his Eastern European background, bloody dictator type sort of setup. He he's a soft side that we've seen that night, and that was that was really special. And it was just a fantastic group. And I made an effort to go around everybody before I left and said, you know, thanks very much. I love what you've done for the group, and you know, I'll never forget this. And it was, you know, it's just it was fantastic. 
The final word goes to the skipper, who in his final representative game for his beloved association, got what a cricket-mad kid growing up dreams about. Winning the SCG Cup at the SCG, playing two games, spending the day there. You know, we spend the day in the change rooms as well, where you've had all past legends when you think about it. Don Bradman, Ricky Ponning, everyone we grew up watching have been in those change rooms where we were sitting. So it's unreal when you really think about it and break it down. But I had that day, my daughter came, Flo, she was only 10 or 11, and she probably doesn't even realise the enormity of it as well, being able to access and being in the rooms and being on the ground. I still remember when we won, she was the first one that ran out onto the field. I'll never forget that. Yeah, never. Winning it all at the SCG, you know, after all the effort and the ups and downs of the game as well in particular, was a special feeling. Just awesome. A real rush for that five or ten minutes after the game with your teammates out on the field. Uh, we were exhausted, we were wrecked, it was a long day. To cap it all off with winning was just incredible. Winning that SCG Cup has meant just so much to me. That 12 months, I was playing with a brain tumour that I didn't know about. So that was my last season of cricket. So I shouldn't have been playing that night that we won it. Somehow I was. And just the bond that it has created now from that night with the players, our coach Robbie Jackson, our president Michael Erdeljack. I still just feel so lucky that I was able to play, even though I shouldn't have. And we won. The legend and the story of it all just lives on. Border Bullets team was Trent Ball, Captain, Alex Popko, Cade Brown, David Farrell, Drew Cameron, Matt Armstrong, Nat Saruman, wicketkeeper, Jack Craig, Nathan Brown, Matt Gench, Zach Simmons, Cameron White. 13th man, Jeffro Menzies, coach, Robbie Jackson. Well, what a great achievement and what a comeback from the mighty Border Bullets to create one of the great days in Cricket Albury-Wodonga. Again, a huge thank you to episode sponsors, Martin's Buses, Japo Donk's Tyres, Wheels and Batteries, Commercial Club Albury and the mighty Newmarket Hotel. And don't forget, you can have your great sporting moment put together in a timeless historical piece by getting in touch with us at Glory Days. But for now, stay safe, look after each other and we'll catch you next time on Glory Days. 